You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Yeah, hi Enormo Nation. This is Jeff Bezos. Bezos? Yeah, <laughs> however you want to say it. Uh, you may have heard of a little company called Amazon.com. It, it, it's not actually little, it's, it's fucking humongous. But anyway, I'm kind of like your crack dealer for junk that you really don't need. <laughs> but even though I need a solid gold anchor for my second super yacht, I'm going to make a solid gold suggestion this holiday season and, and ask that you help me get on the good side of Chris at the EnormaCast by buying direct from the, the little guys that sponsor his enormously good podcast. <laughs> Enormous. Get, get it? It's, it's in the name. Anyway, there's three small businesses that sponsor his show, and, and buying direct from them really makes a difference to their bottom line, as opposed to mine. I don't even know where that is, frankly. I mean, is it like when you only have one Lamborghini and not <laughs> seven? PeterWGilroy.com makes incredible hats, jewelry, and artistic accessories out of a place called New Mexico. <laughs> I don't know where that is, but it sounds amazing. Uh, BelaySpecs.com is just a couple of, of people, humans, I think, uh, banging out those crazy glasses that save your neck. And BonfireCoffee.com roasts great coffee in a small shop out of Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Very resourceful. Extremely resourceful, these people. And, and they're all small, and, and they're all supporting climbers. And, and, and look, I know it's hard to quit me and my robot overlords. You know, I kind of <laughs> designed it that way. But, but click over to any of these small vendors and, and entry Normo. Or, or a Normacast at checkout. I can't remember which, but try them both. Anyway, you can get a discount, get a great gift for one of your friends, and maybe, just maybe, Chris will return one of my 40 emails I've sent him. Oh, wait, hold on, let me press send. Okay, never mind, 41 emails. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the... Uh... Enormo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, a big place. That's, it out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, you really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And now we can also thank the chill folks at Yeti. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and entry Normo at checkout to get a great deal on great coffee and to support the Enormacast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is December 12th, 2023, about 9.30 here in Colorado, AM. And this is a tweener episode, one of the episodes that comes between the real episodes. Why is this a tweener? Well, because it's a part two to the interview with Jordan Cannon, Jesse Huey, and Matt Siegel about Cowboy Direct on Trango Tower. This is part two. So if you haven't listened to part one, maybe go back. But if you know those guys, this sort of stands alone as well. Although I'd prefer you to go back 
When we last left the boys, they were just summiting after an arduous journey up a gully and up a wall and up some ice and up some snow. And they were about to have some revelations on the summit, which we get in part two. And also, as all alpinists have faced, once you high five on the summit, your next and most immediate thought is, holy shit, we got to get down off this motherfucker now. So that's where we find the boys in part two of a candid ascent of Trango Tower. One little note before we rock out to this tweener. Yesterday, December 11th, was the Norma Cass birthday. Sometimes it's hard to count years. Do you ever have that problem? <laughs> like, um, I don't know why, but I have to do it on my fingers. But I think we're 12 years old in 2023, December 2023. 12 years old. 12 years of a Norma Cast, 276 proper episodes. But actually, there's a lot more than that because there's been a bunch of tweeners, extras, things like that. So I don't know. It's like 300 episodes, actually. So awesome. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you guys that have been listening the whole time. Are there, are there old school people listening to this one? Somebody who tuned in the very first show or at least went back and collected them all. That's a lot of frothy spray. Okay. Happy birthday to us, the Enorma Nation. Let's go into this tweener on little birthday music. Find out what's going on on the second ascent of Cowboy Direct on Trango Tower. Just for you on your birthday. We love you very much, so have a fucking birthday. Please have it fucking birthday. Baby, have a fucking birthday. Sing with me this fucking birthday. Celebrate your fucking birthday. Sing along this fucking birthday. Yeah, I would say it's probably the most emotional rock climbing experience I've ever had. But I mean, dude, you had so much, you know, emotion wrapped yeah. up into it with your history with Micah and the whole vision for the route and everything. It totally makes sense. Yeah, it was like it was a lot. Jesse had some of Hayden Kennedy's ashes that we spread right. on the summit, which was cool. My and, last stash. Yeah. Was my final it was stash. your last stash. It was my final stash. Yeah. <laughs> and then not on the summit, like we did one rappel and like I hammered in a piton that was like given to me from Micah's rack. And for me, that's Ooh. like that's kind of when like all of my emotions like unleashed in like a uncontrollable manner of like, I'm done. I did it for like us, you know, like, like so much of that, so much of this trip was like, obviously like tied into Jesse and Jordan, but like a lot of it was tied into Micah and like kind of feeling like it was just as much his objective as mine, my objective, if not more. And it was like, kind of like seeing it through and like sending for the both of us type of thing. I don't really like, I don't know how else to explain it besides right. that. Like I've never had like, another kind of climbing so individual and you kind of like, yeah, you have your partnerships, but you typically like choose your objectives and it, it there is like such an individual component. But for me, this one was like kind of like seeing the fallen homies dreams through as much as yours. Well, yeah. And, and certainly, I mean, there's a solid chance if he was alive that Hayden would be your third. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, like for sure. No, no, Sorry. no. I, I didn't know that Jesse had planned to do that. You mm -hmm. know, and 
he was like wanting to hand me like some of Hayden's ashes. I was like, I never even knew Hayden, you know, like that feels wrong for me to participate in this. But I think you said like, if I had, you know, we would have been, we would have gotten along just fine. And yeah. And that for me felt, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've carried his ashes with me for a long time and, you know, I had him in my groomsman's pocket for my wedding and, you know, it's like kind of waiting for the right time to let go. And, you know, we, we've all, you know, I listen to your show. It's, you know, talk about spreading, spreading Hayden's ashes, you know, all over and how you still have some a little yeah. bit here or there, you know, and, um, <laughs> that's and just so, a runny joke. Yeah. With me and Dilk, like how, how much ashes that guy <laughs> produced? <laughs> I mean, he was tall, but he wasn't like, there wasn't that much to him. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess like, you know, on a kind of a serious note, it's, it, it's like, you, I, I metaphorically had, had like spread his ashes a bunch of times, you know, and I kind of realized that that is a way to process grief for you. And, um, and that, you know, it's really effective. It's, it brings up a lot, but then that was the first time that I spread the ashes for him. And that felt so good. And it was like, this is where, this is my last bit of him and I'm letting it go all up here. And, you know, this is for you, buddy. Like, this is where you want to be. And it felt so good. You know, a lot of time's gone by, and yeah, and it's 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 kind of changing the subject, but not really. But like, obviously, like Pakistan was a huge place for Hayden. It was a huge place for Micah. He had been before, and like one of the kind of coolest trips of parts of this trip was like we used Gafor. Like, who's right. like Gafor? Like, was Micah's homie, Johnny's homie, Kyle's homie, Hayden's homie? you know, is like Josh Wharton's homie. A lot of people have used him and, and, but mostly like for, for, you know, for Jesse and I, it was like Mike and Hayden, like knew, you know, Gafor quite well. Cause they had done multiple trips with him. And just for the audience, Gafor is like runs a guide service. I believe he changed the name to higher ground, which is after Kyle's coffee shop. You, it, and when you, when you travel to Pakistan, you need like a guide service to like get you places. So you end up spending a lot of time with this person. And like, for me, like I ended up, you know, I was like organizing the trip beforehand. So I was like messaging with Gafor every day, like for like a while, like like a couple months before the trip or not every day, but every week, you know, and he would always bring up Micah and Hayden. And like, mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of like, it was this weird, cool, like, okay. Like we're like in good company. Well, you, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because it's important to note too, like that. And this is part of this Alpine kind of climbing that you guys were doing versus the the big guided expedition sort of stuff is because there's this like idea that like the Westerners are, are, you know, sort of exploiting these people. And, and certainly it's the case in, in a lot of places, but like guys like Gafor, I mean, he's a, he was a true like friend. To yeah. Those guys. Yeah, for sure. Like, like I think, I mean, money changed hands, but it was, mo- yeah, yeah. yeah. Money changed yeah. hands for sure. But like, I mean, Hayden went like, I think like three or four times to Pakistan, all with Gafor. Kyle went like maybe five times. Micah went three times. Gafor's coming to, you know, comes to the U.S. like every couple of years. He's coming this year, um, I believe, this winter, hopefully. You you know, so like, yeah, he's like part of the family. Like like when he comes to the U.S., he's he'll like stay at our house at night and like, you know, we'll take him out to dinner and like have a good time. Like he's yeah, a friend. Sure. And even like, you know, like like these guide companies and stuff like it's just you need them in a way like there is like a transaction but like you end up spending a ton of time with them and and honestly for us like we didn't get to spend nearly as much time as i thought because 
we were busy working so much, but our cook too is uh, this guy, Ali, who is epic. I mean, he works super close with Simone More and like, he like, you know, it's like lives in Italy half the time. And like, for us, like spending time with him was like, absolutely like, you know, we were like, oh, this guy's like legit, like telling us stories, like of like all these other crazier expeditions. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because I've done a lot of international trips where you use guide services that were more like not so climbing, like whether because of weather or because of the objective of the trip wasn't a climbing objective. It was like Kumbu climbing school or something like that. And like this trip, like we were, I was kind of bummed that we didn't get enough time at base camp. Like, I think we only spent like five nights at base camp, you know, like we were like kind of like busy. But it is definitely worth noting that because of what, Gafor stressed with uh, with our guide and our cook, you know, he was like, you guys, these guys can't get sick, you know. He really stressed the the water and food preparation practices to make sure that, that we didn't get sick up there. And there were total, ours included four expeditions to um, Trengo Base Camp this year, and the three others got sick and we did not. And yeah, we had three, so maybe we would have made it work, but they're, I think they're just as pivotal in our success as every, everything we've talked about for thus sure, far. For you know? sure. Had yeah, one yeah. of us gotten sick, like, oof, hard to imagine yeah. we would have still been able to stay on track and, and pull it off. So. And we were eating pizza, too. I mean, Ali was, like, made pizza. Ooh, Dude, yeah, was, he was making pasta. It was pretty and not good. Just, yeah, not just Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. Food, it was, um, was kind of epic. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was emotional on the, on the summit for a lot of reasons. So we've talked about, you know, the barbecue sauce moments, um, triumphing over adversity, coming through on the summit, all that sort of thing. What about low points? You know, I haven't done anything like this as, as deep, but any, any long trip, I don't care if it's even a trip where you're just traipsing around Europe, there's, there's a night in a shitty camp hotel or whatever when you're like, you know, lonely feeling deep inside, you know, like... I miss my girlfriend and I miss this. And, but these, these are extreme environments. So they, they create extreme elation and they can create extreme like low points. So maybe, I don't know if anybody wants to like go there, but like where, where were you guys, you know, isolated in your tent having the deepest of doubts, do you think? Or was it the, were you the saddest when you were, when that snow went down your back on the summit day? <laughs> that was definitely, that was definitely my low point. And I had okay. another, I had another on the descent, but I mean, I have one, I have a low point that ultimately ended up being a high point I oh, think, really? for me on the summit that I maybe want to share. But well, I mean, you know, one of the first things thinking about going on this trip, right? You think about, yeah, the partner, the objective, you line all that stuff up, but then when I was talking about to other people about like, yeah, I think I might be going to Pakistan. They're like, what's the political situation there? You know? And that's, that's definitely another thing to consider is like, is it actually safe as an American travel to this place to try and climb near these like disputed territorial areas? And, you know, Jesse has his own experience with that, um, that you might want to share, but, you know, going, going to Pakistan in 2019, when there were all these assassinations on Ninga Parbat base camp and all that with the Taliban and everything. And ultimately, like bailing on that expedition. But for me as well, I, I I thought about all that, and I was like, "Isn't it illegal to be gay in Pakistan?" Like, never have I really had to think about that. But that was definitely on my mind. I was like, "All right," and I googled it, and like, "Yeah, it is." And so I was like, "I'm gonna keep that close to my chest." You know what I mean? And we get there, and the Pakistani people are very family oriented, and our guides and our cooks—they're they're all talking about their families, and they're talking to Matt and Jesse. 
Jesse's married, Matt's like engaged. And so, you know, they're asking me like, oh, do I have a girlfriend? And I'm kind of just like, no, talk to Matt and Jesse. You know? <laughs> and they're, you know, they'd like say at night, like, Jordan, we hope you go to bed and dream of beautiful women and stuff. I'm like, all right, thanks. You know? <laughs> so like, I felt, you know, we're like hiking into base camp and sharing each other's life stories, getting to know each other a little bit more. And I'm like, I don't know if I should say this with like all these other people around. You know? Right, right. And that was basically it. Once we got into base camp, we're just fully focused on the climbing. But there was a, there was a Chinese team there that we ended up crossing paths with a bit. And we were chatting with them once at, at Sun Terrace when they were, we were on the wall at the same time. And they were telling us how like, yeah, we're trying to be the first Chinese team to like summit the mountain. Like no other Chinese team has done that before. And it kind of just immediately popped up in my head. I was like, I wonder if any, you know, any gay climbers have ever climbed the Trango Tower or free climbed it, you know? And of course there's no way of knowing. It's a, kind of a silly idea, but that narrative started to pop up in my head. And I started to kind of like, you know, like for me personally, like I grew up with a very negative image of what it means to be gay. And then therefore a very negative image of myself as I was like kind of confronting that reality, you know? And so I was, the rest of the trip, I was kind of like trying to unlearn that. And it's been, I've been doing that for years, but I've been trying to like unlearn those beliefs um, that ultimately come back to like beliefs about myself. Right. And then kind of comes into the whole like Ted Lasso, like, oh, people have been understanding my whole life, you know, and, and things like that. And so like when I, when I got to the summit, I kind of had like a moment of, of like real sense of pride. Like I was like, I don't know, but I was, you know, when I got to Pakistan, I like out of curiosity got on one of the gay dating apps and it was like alert, like you're in Pakistan. These are the rules. Like be careful. And I was like, oh geez, like that's kind of scary. You know? And I was like, here I am on top of the Trango Tower, gay climber just did this thing. Like, how, how about that, Pakistan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And, and I, you know, I, had, I like had a real sense of pride because that does, that does matter. I hope other people can see that. And, you know, maybe they look at the big mountains and think that that's not a place where, where they belong or a place that they can thrive. And ultimately, that's obviously not true. And so that was like my emotion up there. <laughs> Thanks for letting me say that. <laughs> That's did you guys cool. did you guys know that? No, I don't. I mean, we talked about it a little right. bit, but just you know, like in in jest, kind of like, oh, mm -hmm. maybe first gay climber. I was like, maybe not. I mean, Trango Tower's been climbed a lot, right? I mean, first free ascent. So just probably, openly, but, how's you know. that? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I said, you, you, don't <laughs> you don't know, know. Right. but I mean, yeah, a lot of people have climbed the tower. Like, yeah, less people have free climbed it. Like I said, I I don't want to like make that a thing, but it was a big thing for me. I kind of love hearing that. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, phys physically, the low point for me was we were out of food, we were coming down, and Jordan had carried this super, super heavy haul bag over to the start of the route across the snow slope. And we had a fixed line across, but it was, you know, it's a thousand, maybe like 800 feet of walking uphill and like knee deep snow. And I carried this thing back just, and it crushed me, absolutely crushed me in a way that I've I haven't been crushed as long as I can remember, really. And, I remember just sitting down in the tent. Matt Matt put a photo on Instagram the other day of it, and I just was like, "That photo! Like, I hate that photo so much." Love it. it's the Ross photo. Dude, we all trip. had a low point that yeah. day. I think. Yeah, but I I think that like spirits wise, I kept it I kept it pretty high the whole time. I think you know. I think we kept it pretty light and. Yeah, uh, I mean, you guys, maybe, maybe that moment. On, right. on, honestly, seeing Matt fall off the twelve A pitch like over and over, and 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 not just like 
not just like kind of like a slump, but he was like exploding off of the pitch. You know, you could tell how hard he was trying and seeing and knowing how hard and he's know, able how, to try. Yeah. What's that? How hard he's able to try. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, it, it was like kind of, it kind of sticks with me, honestly, right. to this day, just like being like, Oh shit, like this is his thing, you know? And, um, and that, that sits with me still, you know, I'm just like, Oh God he asked me if I wanted to go first and I was like, dude, it's going to get wetter. Like you should go first. I like gave him my chance to do it before me, you know? And, and so that was hard to see him, you know, feeling that. And I think that was probably the most low I felt emotionally on the whole trip. Yeah. That was low for me too, but I feel like that's like the obvious low that's like expected. I think, man, I had a couple, two other ones that I can think of. One, our first night on Sun Terrace like it's kind of a weird thing like nowadays where you have like the ability to like satellite text with like people at home. And for me, every first night, like there's three first nights on Sun Terrace, like, you know, in all the acclimatizing, like I, I felt shitty, you know, like, like sleeping, like what Jordan said, sleeping is like an issue. And, um, I couldn't get a hold of my partner who I'd like fiance who I'd been like texting like the whole time, you know, um, and she's a climber and, and, and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, I, my mind just like fucking spiraled because like, she's so good at like getting back the whole time. And it's like, I like couldn't sleep because of altitude. And then that, like, was, you know, Jesse and I were in, I think, or I might've, we were in the tent and I was just like, like literally didn't sleep the whole night. Cause I was like, I don't know something probably happened. Like, this is like, so not normal. You know, it turns out she like blocked me on the Garmin app on accident <laughs> and uh, I figured that out but it was just like one of those moments where you're like literally one night of like fully like I didn't sleep at all you know um that was like quite miserable and it was like had to perform the next day it didn't matter you know like the like we didn't have time to like for me to take a rest day um I would say that was like a pretty big low point another one that I feel like is like kind of a, a low point for maybe Jesse and I that like turned into a high point for Jesse and then added a lot of stress for me was we had this day where it's like the goal was like we all were going to lead the crux pitch off of Sun Terrace, the 13A pitch. And Jesse gets up there and there's, there's, there's footage of it that, that he just showed on his Instagram and he whips and he's like, fuck. And I'm just like, Oh God. Like I was so mad. Fuck. I mean, and it was the only like kind of argument thing you that, posted today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of the only argument that Jesse and I got in. Cause I'm like, okay, dude, like it's my turn. Like, you know, like kind of was like, it was like a little too pushy for sure. Um, and not he, like, the time, not the time he yelled at me. And then eventually like, I he, like snapped. He's just like, it's, not fucking now, Matt, which is fine. <laughs> you, you know, like, you know, it's like, it's like, you yeah. know, like, and, and like for, for Jesse and I, like, I'm like, Oh, it's not now, you know, like, like we've like spent enough <laughs> time. Yeah. Right. We've spent enough time for me message to received. message received, like <laughs> not to be taken personally. Like, cool. Got it. You know, and like Jesse sends, you know, like, and it's like, okay, fuck like Jordan sent Jesse sent. It's like my turn to send and it fucking unleashes, dude. It's like dumping snow. There's no way. It's like soaking wet. And like at that moment, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's, it's over for me. Like what happens if it's like never dry again? You, you know, like what happens? Like, and, th and that was one of the only pitches that was like truly wet. And it was in a 512 like flare. Yeah. So it was, there weren't really holds. It wasn't had, like a, yeah, a jamming scenario. It was like there was like. No, literally the crux crimp is like a waterfall. Yeah, it was like wet flare and crux crimp, you know, like that's like in a waterfall. So like that whole next day, I was just like, 
Like we, we called it Matt's day. T- tomorrow's your was, day, Matt. Which little to buddy, me, you, which, your day, your day. Which well, to, which we to me talking, was was just like added just more, right, more pressure. Stress. But like what, you, whatever you, know, you need, like, Matt. Whatever you want. It was just like and like I think everybody. Do you want double breakfast? Everybody felt bad because like you know like uh, you know like uh, whatever like for everybody had their own opinion, but I, I could only imagine. But everybody felt bad because they had like sent the crux pitch and like and I think there was like oh you got it like you got it. Well, like you like, climbed like way you know you've climbed five fourteen like to downplay. Your internal stress though which is but, real but my internal stress was like oh my god like i'm it's like the last one he's, he's kevin on the dawn like, wall basically i right. felt like kevin on the dawn wall for <laughs> sure dude like pitch 16 dog i was just like up there and you know i did it first try and it was it was mellow but it was more in the, be- like, in, in, <laughs> in the best conditions it, but it was it be. was like literally like we've mentioned these like three days of like good weather like so to take a step back the first day was leading to Sun Terrace, and it was fucking glorious. Ba- basically, since Jesse had led a lot of it already, Jordan and I swung leads, and it was like the most fun day ever. It was awesome. It felt like the one day that was like a solid day of rock climbing, you know? It was just like, fuck oh, yeah. And then the next day was, that was Splitter was the day that I set that crux pitch, which was awesome. I got lucky. And then our summit day. And then our summit and literally day. Literally every day we got pissed on at some point. Yeah. Also, let's like not ignore the fact that our collective low point as a team was any time we had to hike up that fucking oh road. yeah fuck <laughs> that was like i actually like come to think of it you're right like and god oh, we were always shit. so jesse and i've like jesse and i've talked about the like collective of this trip because like we've already like spent like half of this adormacast talking about the team of three you know and and uh i don't know what's what would you say i can't speak english what? parts of some the, equals the, the sum of all parts don't equal the great or the the sum of the whole. Uh, yeah, yeah. Huh? Whose The what? sum of. All- <laughs> <laughs> I had a rowing coach who told me this. Oh my gosh, dude! I definitely know the gist of what you're saying, but I still it's can't come. The up with sum it, so. of all parts. So if you take an airplane right. yes. and you take it apart, yeah, okay, yeah. and all the parts on the ground. Yeah, one part is not greater than the whole. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. So, yeah. so going back to like the low point is like the sum of all parts, the lo- or the whole low point of the team. Was for sure hiking up the fucking gully because like it was bringing like, in loads to the base. Yeah, well, yeah. It, I mean, when we first walked up there, we we're like, "Oh, this is so mellow. Like, why are people sketching out about this 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 long walk?" You know, and well, because the main thing we were worried about was rockfall and danger. And and the second trip up there, I mean, it it looked like Normandy. I'm not even kidding. I mean, there were there were craters everywhere, and there were rocks the size of this table were standing at that were and all over and, the place that had landed and then slid 300 feet. And we're like walking up the runnel that it created, you know, and it happened 24 hours earlier. The truth though, too, is like, I was horrified of the gully before we even got to Pakistan. To me, I was like, the gully's the the most dangerous part of the whole trip, for sure. And and I still think it was. At one point, um, I was leading up that and you guys were behind me and I... I heard something hit the snow and I screamed and Jordan just... Yeah, I had a... Yeah, this is a legit low point for me. I almost totally forgot. It's our second time going up the gully, I think, and we were we spent the night at advanced base camp and were planning to to hike the final bit of the gully to the notch and like climb on the route the next day. And we all woke up in the middle of the night, maybe like two AM or something, to like the most outrageous rockfall I've ever heard. And, you know, I like shoot out of my sleeping bag, poke my head out, and it's completely pitch black, you know. And but you can just see like this firefall of like rock sparks falling down. And into the gully and just like cascading for a long time. 
And I couldn't sleep after that. I think Matt and Jesse were able to. And then it happened like two or three more times that night. And I was like, fuck, like we have to hike literally straight through that tomorrow morning. And I was really stressed about that. And I didn't sleep and it's exhausting enough to be up there. But then when you don't sleep, like it all starts to go downhill. But yeah, Jesse's leading his way up, leading us up the notch. And he starts like kind of screaming because he hears, he hears like some, some, something hit the, hit the, the snow around us, rock or ice, whatever. And so we all kind of go into panic mode. And I have a certain amount of PTSD from the accidental cap with like hearing a scream like that. And so I, I kind of started to freak out a little bit. But we, we make it through to this safe point, this rock like halfway up the notch called the bunker that we deemed as like semi, <laughs> semi I don't think it's called the bunker, but we no, just right. called it we the bunker. It, yeah, we named <laughs> yeah. it that. And we were just kind of like collecting ourselves there. And I just like kind of sat down, you know, I was just like closed my eyes trying to calm myself down. And I just like broke out like nervous breakdown crying. Like I've never done that before. You know, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like making myself look like an idiot in front of Matt and Jesse. But they were, they were super like, you know, Matt was like, dude, I fucking hate this too. This sucks. I, yeah, I couldn't control it, but I was super scared. I mean, the thing is, is that like, I mean, the elation is high, the lows are low, the danger is real. It's like, I mean, you just have to constantly be asking you like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, like, and and I, I've been through it again at some level of like discomfort that you've chosen. You've not just chosen, but you like, you like pointed your entire life towards it. And it's just like, there's moments I think on these expeditions where you're just like, the fuck am I doing? Like all my friends are, they're like chilling at home with their gals or the whatever. And like, I'm here and I'm going to do this. And as soon as it's over, I'm going to be thinking about the next time. So I don't know if you have any statements about that, but like, I'm not thinking about the next time right away, but I will say, I mean, if there wasn't that, if, if Trango didn't have that gully, we'd be there every year. Right. You, you, You know what I'm saying? Like we like, like if there wasn't, if it wasn't dangerous at all, we'd probably want to go back all over and over and put up first ascents and do all this stuff. Like if there wasn't, you know, if not only if it, if it wasn't, if there wasn't a dangerous gully and it what didn't take so much effort to, to like get to Pakistan in general, I, th- I think you'd want to do it all the time. And I still am like baffled by a lot of my friends that used to do this every year. But, but to be honest, like they're all dead. Like all the, all the, all my friends that used to go to Pakistan and on expeditions every year, like none of them survived, you know? So I think there's something to be said about like every couple of years, like making the most of like every trip, you know what I'm saying? And like not getting too greedy, like not, you know, like not being like, oh, that was amazing. We got to go again. I know it's kind of dark and harsh to like say these things, but like, it's kind of the reality. Like, I don't know anybody nowadays that's like, kind of going back every season after every season and like pushing the NAR. That was certainly on my mind. I did not want to die in Pakistan. Yeah, no, no. Obvi- I mean, obviously, but you know. Yeah. You're a little bit of the old man of these expeditions in this, in this oh, case, 100%. right, Jesse? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know how old Jesse actually was. I thought he was I'm like 65. 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm often the youngest in my friend group and like with Matt and Jesse, I just thought they were both like 35. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate well, that. Now, now I look even younger because I have a skincare routine. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, <Jordan>. but <laughs> I mean, I didn't mean that literally as much as I meant it figuratively. Is that you have the experience in these big mountains and and you know objective dangers and and these things that 
Yeah. At least, I, mean, I mean, for sure, Jordan doesn't have, and, and to a certain extent, more than Matt has as well. Well, I, I mean, the, the algorithm's always running, and, and I'm always thinking about it. It's just, uh, I, I, I guess I'm willing to accept a bit of risk. You know, this is, this is a lifestyle that I've chosen, and I love it so much that, you know, I, I, it's like Matt's saying, so many of my peers have, are not here, and, it, and I don't want to go that way, you know. Um, there's no part of me that has any, like, romantic desire of that, but, it, but I love it so much that I, I do want the experience of going up that gully to maybe stand on the top and maybe free climb it, you know. I feel like maybe I do have some of the old guard in me that that's that sees it and i'm like i'm like it's pretty unlikely to get hit by a massive rock on the hike up there if i'm fast and and i think at one point i actually said to jordan and matt i was like you know i i have two ways of looking at this one is that you know i i put these decisions in my fitness or or i put it into like just like the risk and this one way we had an option to go was it was just heinous it was like super deep snow and it was going to take way more effort and the other way would have been really fast but if anything anything came down it would kick you off you know it was pure ice and you'd go flying and you know i I just looked at them and i was like so we have those two options and i tend to lean into my fitness and i feel like we should probably take this deep snow and not do it in 15 minutes but do it in 45 minutes and so we did that you know so i'm always hedging the bets and we talked about this a lot because obviously like jesse and i both, I mean, I know Jordan has too, but like lost a lot of people in the mountains, sure. you, you know? And I think there's this element of like being willing to take the risk, but also like willing to like try to be safer than the people that came before us in, in some ways, like, and like really like kind of mitigating the risk in a way that's like really looking at objective hazard and being like, okay, what what makes the most sense? Like Jesse's like, honestly, like going the 45 minute way, seems like a simple decision, but like most of our climbing partners in the past would have taken the shorter way. Yeah. Yeah. What did you come away with it? I mean, well, I'm just hearing you guys talk. I'm thinking back to our trio partnership and like the importance of being equally committed to the goal and having similar levels of acceptable risk. You know, because if we, Matt and I felt that Jesse was like pushing too hard and, you know, not accounting for our comfortability and like making us do things that we felt were too sketchy or whatever, like, you know, we would have fallen apart. That would have been not good. But we were all on the same page with, you know, talking through these things together, trying to make the safe de- safest decision, you know, the things that we were all comfortable with. And yeah, maybe, you know, we had days where one of us had a low point or high you know, high points and we were having, we were getting scared up there, but never did any of us question like our commitment to the goal. You know, nobody was ever like, I'm tapping out or maybe like I'm done for today, but you know, they're back, back in there and the front lines the next day. Yeah. Yeah. But fortunately, like what's fascinating about this is like, really like the gully was the most dangerous. And then the summit pitch that Jesse led was like a little, was dangerous too. But beyond that, like, the risk was like kind of like your standard risk that you take track climbing, multi-pitch right. track climbing, climbing the valley, like ice climbing. Like there was never a Serac ahead of us, above us. There was never like, you know, like it's one of the cleanest faces in the world. Like it was like, and I also think that that's important to say is like, yeah, like when we, I stuck with this objective, like partially because of that, right. you know, because of this is like an objective that is like 
kind of like purely rock climbing in a way. Like, sure, there is alpine climbing on it, but like for the most part, like you don't have to deal with like all of the other objective hazards and dangers that you have in climbing something like in Nepal or, or something else in the Karakoram where there's Seracs and like, you know, like, you, you know, like we're in the line of fire for a very short period of time. And to me, going back to what I said earlier, it's still long enough to make me be like, no, like it's not worth going every year. But like, if you do it all the time, like you're going to get hit. Like it's, it's like a numbers game. I weigh that against the risk of sitting in an office for the rest of my life. You <laughs> right. know? And it's like, I'm just right. totally not willing to do that. Yeah. Like if I can have this lifestyle where mm-hmm. I am living at a hundred percent and it's so vibrant and it's so beautiful and it's so high and it's so low, I would rather have that and take this risk. It's simply, of, it's simply worth the risk. Yeah. And I, I mean, feel like that's, I think like it's, a, that's it's, a stupid it's simply statement. Put, it's worth the, it's, it's, it's worth, worth the risk. risk. And I, feel, yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like that's like a real climbers mentality, you know, like everybody who's, Climbing is weighing that, and it's just maybe they don't say it, you know. But it's, I mean, you've been climbing your whole life. It's right. you know. I think you're naive if you if you go into these situations thinking that you have the you absolutely have the magic that's you can yeah. Tra- but I, traipse, I also think like past the graveyard without any problems. You know? Yeah, but I also think it's kind of misconstrued of like what you said and what Jesse said is like, oh, these guys have a death wish; they're yeah. doing super dangerous stuff. Which is like, like I kind of would like to emphasize the fact that like we like weighed all the odds in our favor and like hiked up the gully and down the gully and like certain times a day when there was less, you know what I'm saying? Like we like, we're trying to be as safe as possible. We're not being reckless. And and on the other end of this whole spectrum, I went to Pakistan in 2013 and uh, I made the decision to come home when I think 13 climbers were executed at Nanga Parbat's base camp. And the risk of, being attacked or targeted for being an American in Pakistan, it was just way too high for me. And my partners kept going. They won the Pile d'Or. They did the first ascent of K6 West. And it, it was just a clear decision for me to walk away at that point. And so, you know, I feel like it's responsible decision making for me. And they just told me that, hey, as soon as we get to the wall, it's basically like you're on OCAP. And it basically was. So the, the gully was the most dangerous part. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. So you, you get down. We don't have to blow by blow the descent. It was epic. You're out of food. Plunge down the gully. Get we back kicked to off camp. Alex Honnold's tall bag. <laughs> you did? Yeah. It, it, high it, point. What did high you, point. What did you borrow it? Yeah, yeah, I was like packing for the trip. I've got a bunch of gear in his garage, and we, I needed some haul bags. I was like, oh, sick. Do you have the new BD haul bags? I was like, I'm going to take those. He's like, okay, just like make sure you bring them back. And then Thank yeah, you, Adam there, there, was a, there was a point. There was a point that like we couldn't carry everything down with the amount of time and effort and willpower we had, and we're like, we're just gonna fucking kick one off, and it might come back, maybe not. And so it came back. Alex is fine. He can get another haul. <laughs> he bag. can get another haul bag from BD. <laughs> I think they'll probably give him one if he asks. I mean, you get back to base camp. It's over. You you've made peace with your various ghosts and and. uh you know, objectives. I mean, literally like, you know, that's what, that's what hauntings are in some ways. These, these ghosts that still stay with us. Uh, I mean, what did that feel like? Like, you know, you were, I, you were released from your burden and in, in so many ways too, which is, I think a big part of the draws like to, to finally be released from it at the end of the day. So what was it like getting out of, uh, you know, back to civilization and we had it's, really it's important life. to say that like before Jesse dives in that, it wasn't just like, oh, like we're out. 
like dude it was like utter it hell. was just like oh. fucking miserable for like day like we Three just days like we least. had to like like we didn't have any like normally you get done you summon it's like cool you get to party at base camp like your cooks cook you a good meal you wake up the next morning you chill you pack like it's like oh right you had to it, catch it, your plane dude totally. we we right. like this was Fuck, dude! I know your low point, dude. You're oh bullshitting, God. dude. This is 100%. your fucking low point, hundred percent. And like, so, so I'm <laughs> just gonna say it. Like, you, you we're, we're kind of beating around the bush a little bit, but Jordan does like you like have a little bit of a heart. You have OCD, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, like I'm not like so. I mean, it's been so, so I've been, much I was diagnosed. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. So, so, so you know, and, and at first, I think for Jesse and I, this was like, oh my god, Jordan. And then we 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 talked about it as a team, and we're like, okay, yeah, this is this is a real thing for Jordan. Jordan, and it became less of like Jesse and I like really being annoyed to the point of like kind of feeling bad, like and being like, fuck, how can we help Jordan? So like we get down from the fucking wall. Okay. And it's like the PM, you know, it's like nighttime. We're, we're about, we're exhausted. And everything is wet. A- everything is and soaked. And it's like hundreds of pounds. And, and the, our guides are like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, back thing to be packed 6 a.m. Donkeys are here. At Donkeys 6 are here at six a.m. Like backs need to be packed. We need to go. You know, like there's no time. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, so like Jesse and I are just like, fuck it. Like just like shoving shit in bags. You know, like we could care less. And and we all go to sleep. We party. Like Jesse and I get a, enough stuff done. Jordan's just shaking his head right now. Just like, <laughs> we, we oh my god, like, he got this pained look on his face. Right yeah, now. yeah. So like we, we literally like everybody tells me do video. This yeah, yeah you should do video, but. <laughs> So that's the night. And Jesse and I, honestly, Jesse and I get the majority of our stuff packed because we're like, we we don't care. We don't like, we're not struggling. And morning comes around and like, it's like, by this time, it's like eight o'clock. And it's like, it's, Jesse and I are fully packed. Camp is packed. Tents, Don- donkeys are Donkeys are, are getting loaded up. Jordan's tent is still up, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, fuck. I'm like, Jordan, dude. Like, I like go over, like, I was like, dude, like, it was like, I just, I see it in his eyes that he... He's folding underwear. He's folding. <laughs> he, he's literally like folding. Dude, I was legit clothes. about to have a panic attack. Yeah, I yeah, no, no, no. no. And, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like, it, there was zero like annoyance there from my perspective. There was just like, it was this pure like kind of loving and like, fuck, dude, like what, what can I do? Like, 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 I'm sorry. I know this is like really difficult. Like you're, you're, you're falling, you've fallen apart. And he's just like, I need you to pack my tent. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm, dude, like, I, I'm just like, I'm like, okay, dude, I got it. Like, whatever. Like, you know, like, it was I, just like. I mean, I started packing in the morning. I was like, oh, this is going to be chill. I'm going to be able to do this. No problem. And then all this time passes and I look around me and like literally everybody's packed but me. And like all these porters are looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like 15 porters <laughs> yeah, staring yeah, yeah, at yeah. George. He's like, yeah. Dude, and I like the whole circus is waiting on Jordan. Scene, and I'm like, oh my god! In my mind, I need to have like a mental inventory and like know where everything is. I just couldn't do it. I look at Matt, and I'm just like, I need help, dude. And I'm like, I got you, dude. Like I was like, you know, like I I got you. Like just just go, you know. What's the money in Pakistan? Rupees, 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 yeah, yeah. The poorest, but uh, I don't know where rupees. I don't know where how we like ended, how we got there. Oh, you were asking about yeah. getting yeah. out. And I just, I had to, that story just, yeah. I had to. Well, because including like, you know, the day we summited to get back to base camp, it took us three days. And then we had still a three-day hike out, which we had to do in two days because we were running out of time. A full day Jeep drive and then a flight 
back to Islamabad and then we go home. So it was like still a, a lot flight of, to no, no a, a flight to Skardu and then to Islamabad. Right from Skardu. So, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah, the whole time, you know, we're on the summit and we're like epicking and we're having this experience. We're like kind of ready to be done. We're like, oh man, we just can't wait to get back to base camp. As if like it all ended there. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like honestly, honestly, like that's where the suffering really started. You know, that's where we realized that how much weight we had lost, all of our feet started to go numb. Like all of our hands started to swell. You know, a thing that people don't think about up there is, you know, you, you get gobies from crack climbing, but because of the high altitude and the like lack of oxygen, they don't heal. You know, so if you got a cut on day one, you had it six or six weeks later. And so we're just stumbling out of there and it's so much hotter. Like there was no cloud coverage and water yeah no water no. coke you like, could get coke yeah literally on the way in you know when we're at base camp they're boiling our water right and they're and so it's all good but when we're hiking when we hiked in to base camp we were all drinking bottled water on the way out we didn't have that we just had bottled coca-cola and and, and, and like, we had a bunch of like patagonia provisions like, yeah, sardines, like sardines and shit and so we were just like eating sardines, sardines and, and warm coke coke. warm coke and sardines. not a good combo i i still don't think i've been able to eat tin fish since dude and and the numb feet like we were just all like we were we were on the hot mess express like we just could not we could not deal <laughs> we kind of vowed we we made a little spreadsheet of all the things we would bring on another expedition and one of them was bigger shoes for the hike out <laughs> oh yeah yeah like no, a full no, size bigger no, like except, legit no i i don't think that works because i had bigger shoes and <laughs> my toes were still numb the entire time you're screwed these, no matter what these guys so we get we get within cell reception and you know their their phones are going off it's like they're oh, you don't off. have your phone uh-huh i don't have my phone and i'm just <laughs> sitting there looking at these guys and all of a sudden, you know, it was just such a technology free kind of experience. It's like, there's no one to, you can text on the inReach, but all of a sudden we're in cell range and my partners are just glued to the screen. Just like, Oh my God. And, and, and like, I'm just sitting there alone in the Jeep. Like, Oh my God, dude, I hated it. Honestly, I wish I could go back to the no tech. It was awesome because as organized as I am with my stuff, like, if I, have like so many th- red. if I have like a thousand emails, I like want to throw up. There's you know? so many red numbers on your phone. <laughs> like right. I looked at I looked at Jesse's phone, which is utter chaos. There's just like thousands of notifications on all these different apps. I'm like, bro, how do you live your life? Like, <laughs> I just choose to not think about it, you know. But then that started to happen to me. It wasn't like I was like psyched to have service again. I was like, I need to get through all this, otherwise I'm gonna. So when was the relief in in Islamabad, dude? Islamabad in the spa at the five star hotel. Right. So like we we get there. I'm like I'm like messaging before like on the hike out. I'm like I think we need we need to like stay at a nice hotel in Islamabad on the way out. Like, Which like keep in mind a nice hotel, <clears throat> the the nicest hotel in all of Pakistan's three hundred dollars a night. Yeah. So yeah. and he's like, are you sure? Like this isn't covered in the you know because they. Typically, like how the guide services work is you like pay a flat fee and they cover everything. But obviously, if you like want to stay in like a super fancy hotel, that's not covered. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I'm sure. The relief came in the spa, in the in the bubble bath. Yeah, yeah. We we Dude, like we did a full day of spa treatments. Full day. Of, I mean, <laughs> manicure, facial, bubble bath, body scrub, like Massage, the whole day, yeah, the, the whole, whole thing. thing. Not to mention like a all you can eat breakfast buffet, lunch buffet, dinner buffet. It was incredible. That was the best part of a trip. That's where we yeah. came back all the way 
like started coming back to life after that. But I mean, I mean, I feel like I came home and I still felt dead to the world for like 10 days, two weeks. Like I was just right. like, I think I came out here and climbed a rifle a couple of times. The lady's like super fired up. She's like, we're going to rifle. I'm like, really? Like, I'm like, I think I wore like my TC pros and rifle. Cause like, my feet were still hurting. I started climbing last week. <laughs> um, oh, dude, yeah, no, I'm still dead to the world. Yeah, yeah, like I, I, I was, you know, I, I dragged Jordan on like a little like like mission of like grilling on Castleton this past weekend, and I think that was the first time he'd rock climbed. And like, honestly, I probably wouldn't have been rock climbing if I didn't have like a partner that was like fiance that's like, you're going climbing with me now, <laughs> type of scenario, but. There's this like element of like when you accomplish like a big objective, it's like what's next, you know. And I think for me, I've definitely been on the like kind of bumming, like oh, I don't know what to do <laughs> with my climbing, at least. Yeah, I personally really like the highs and lows of a big day. You know, I like having a, a big day where you come back totally crushed, and you kind of hate the fact that you're totally crushed, but you're also really satisfied at the same time. And I feel the same way on this trip. Just you know magnified times 10 because we were there for six weeks and we're trying hard for the majority of that of that time you know and like tapped into very deep wells of like i don't know try hard and uh grittiness and all that so i almost feel i need like equal amount of time off to fully recover so i'm just i'm just basking in it and kind of i don't really care that i suck right now that i don't have much motivation i know it'll come back just enjoying, enjoying being home, being safe. So I made a joke earlier about the separate limos, you know, like, oh, let's put on a face that, that we're all really good friends. Cause that's, that's important. You know, what, what, what's your, what's your, uh, mantra about coming home friends, come home alive, come home friends, come home with summit. You know, I know you guys personally, it's been real. I know Jordan has been super affected by this trip, um, about, camaraderie with you guys we know that you've been friends forever and probably will be friends forever but yeah talk a little bit about maybe you know if it went to a different level plenty of expedition people come together simply as a strategy you know and we're going to go climb this together we like each other but you know you're really good at this and i'm really good at that we're going to accomplish this thing and then maybe we'll we'll see I each think other that's in important years. To, yeah to like, you know and that that's a to way say, to do yeah, things yeah. certainly yeah. And, but, that, but that it seems not to work me so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> really? It's like, it's business. It, you know, going back to Hayden, it's like that kind of stuff. It's just, that's, that's, that's a no fly zone for me. It's like, this is totally about homies. And, right. and that is where the enriched experience lies. You know, if we, if we climb a sick summit and we hate each other, like I'm good, you know, but I, I feel like Jordan and I and Matt, I mean, we'll definitely climb more in the future together and and who knows at what capacity i mean i'm i'm getting older you know i'm trying to have a kid now um, i don't know man. but but i i feel really uh i kind of feel like a really strong um feeling towards like maybe showing jordan a little bit of this torch that that you know, I I remember Micah stayed with me in like 2007 or something up in Canmore when I was living up there, climbing my face off, and he wanted to learn how to ice climb, and he was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I used to think Yosemite was the coolest thing ever, and uh, you know, you just kind of mature out of that when you realize it's not the biggest cliff in the world, and I remember being like, what, and you know, I kind of you know realized 
what he was saying years and years after and, and feel like I kind of was able to show maybe him, you know, a bit of a future that he can really take this to, you know? And, and so I think that that's kind of a cool part of our sport is that we can have people that kind of torch pass a little bit and can kind of, you know, show them this, this avenue that they can choose or not, and then choose to make their own. And I think that's one of the coolest things about this trip with Jordan, at least. And, and Matt and I'll be friends forever. Like you said, for me personally, it comes down to like, simply just when I see these guys, whether it's on a FaceTime or a zoom or like whatever, you know, their dumb faces pop in this room, you know, and I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. It's just kind of like just a little, you know, just like a smile and a grin, just knowing what we went through together and that, yeah, we have this, this bond that doesn't really need words to explain. I dragged Jordan on a mission that he willingly joined me on, which is a sign of true friendship. <laughs> um, but uh, I think we already have like plans this winter to all climb together again. And like, they're trying to take me ice climbing. Yeah. It's gateway drug. Gateway drug. Well, you already went alpine climbing. Yeah. So, yeah, we all came back way closer and honestly, probably closer than I think we all had thought. And we worked really well together. And it was really, and honestly, for the most part, like it was really hard, but it was like we kind of had a lot of fun. Like there was like a lot of fun moments in the whole, the whole trip, you know? So I think that's like a, kind of like a really big thing too. We, we talk about danger. We talk about difficulty. We talk about seriousness, but like we kind of had fun. It's pretty fun. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to those guys for doing that. It was epic. The two put together are truly epic podcasting. And you know what they did? They drove to Carbondale, Colorado to get that done in person. It was important to them. It wasn't something I insisted, although doing a uh, multi-screen remote interview can be tricky for sure. A lot of internet to depend on in that. But they made the journey, and Jordan in particular, like, just drove to do this and then turned around and went back to wherever he was going. I think Jesse and Matt managed to climb a day. But it was definitely a trip way out of everybody's way to get that done. So appreciate that. It's great to have them in person. Probably tell we were drinking some beers with that one and uh, just having a nice time. Follow those guys on Instagram. You can figure out how to find them. And also, Matt's YouTube channel has been running Never Skip Dinner which is an awesome, fun variation on climbing content where they're cooking and climbing. A bunch of celebs appearing, and also I should appear in one of them unless I was left on the cutting room floor, probably appropriately. All right, holidays. We're in the middle of Hanukkah right now. Christmas is coming. All the other ones, all the variations. could be a tricky time for climbers. Some youngsters who've hit the road or maybe spending their first time away from the fam at Christmas, lonely in a cold tent in Indian Creek somewhere, trying to muster some cheer around a fire with the other Christmas refugees. It's like seven degrees out, six o'clock at night. 
You're wondering if you should just go into your sleeping bag for the next 15 hours. But you're trying to hold out, so it's only 12 hours. Anyway, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Festivus. Everything. To all y'all. And don't forget to check your knots.